If I haven't met you before, my name is Pastor Kimmy, and uh, pretty excited about God's Word today. I know I say that every single time because I love this book. You know, does anyone else here like this book? Like, do you like it? Do you love this book? You know, this is a love letter that God intentionally gave to us. He chose men and women to write down words and stories, a God story that would inspire you. That's why he did it. It's this love letter to us. And today we're going to focus on the book of Daniel. Uh, And I don't mean Daniel who's in the sound booth there. This is Daniel out of the Bible. And he wrote these incredible words for us in in his book. And it's it's not quite in the middle. It's just past the middle if you want to look for it and find it. And so this was kind of like Daniel's journal. And these words here, this is Daniel's book. So this big God story, all inspired by God. And here is Daniel's book. And we're going to take a look at a few stories out of there today. And uh, I just wanted to share with you a bit of context. If you've never read the book of Daniel before, or, or maybe you have, it's, it's always good to refresh and remember what was going on in the day, in the time of Daniel. You see, the Jewish people had very little hope. And the reason that God brought me to this story is I feel like in our culture, we're, we're living with, without a lot of hope. And so God is going to speak to us today through the story of Daniel because he's a hope bringer and he's a way maker, right? That's who God is. And we're going to see that in his story today. And so to, to kind of, to give you some context of what was going on, there was this king and he was the king of Babylon and his name was Nebuchadnezzar. I want you to say Nebuchadnezzar. And if you're at home, please participate. I just love it to to hear that you're participating. So Nebuchadnezzar, now he was the king of Babylon. and He's kind of like over here, okay? And then over here, 870 kilometers away is Jerusalem. And Jerusalem is like the epicenter for the Israelite people, right? Well, King Nebuchadnezzar decides that his kingdom isn't quite big enough and he's going to go over here and he is going to destroy Jerusalem. He's going to besiege the city. He's going to destroy it. And the destruction of Jerusalem actually happens in 587 BCE. And it's so incredible because it was prophesied that this was going to happen. And sure enough, King Nebuchadnezzar goes. He besieges the city. And what what it says he does in Daniel 1-2 is... When Nebuchadnezzar returned to Babylon, so he's in Jerusalem, he's returning to Babylon, he takes with him some of the sacred objects from the temple of God. He takes them, he doesn't even care about them. And he takes them, drags them to Babylon with him, and he places them in the treasure house of his God, idols, in the land of Babylonia. So this kind of sets the stage for us. Nebuchadnezzar does not believe in the God of Israel, right? But not only did he take these items from Jerusalem, but he took the people. And I think that's, to me, that's even more important. Things are things. People are people. And so he takes the Israelite people 
from Jerusalem, and he takes them to Babylonia in captivity, right? So they're imprisoned in, cap in, they're in captivity in Babylon. Now, we can't feel too sorry for them because the ones that were like the royalty, the like high-layered, uh, you know, like noble people, they were actually treated pretty great in Babylon. While they were there, they were given an excellent education. They were given fantastic foods and wine and they were very well taken care of. They, they had some human favor over here. But, but more than that, they had some God favor. And so we're going to talk about these four guys in particular, and, and God gave special favor to these four guys, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I, I heard that I was saying Abednego wrong, so I just want to make sure Abednego. There, we got it right. Okay, so these four guys, God gives them favor, and it says in Daniel 1.17, God gave these four young men an unusual aptitude for learning and literature and science of the time. And God gave Daniel special ability in understanding the meanings and visions and dreams, okay? So these guys are impressing the king, King Nebuchadnezzar. Say Nebuchadnezzar. Now, I'm going to call him King Nebi for the rest of, of today, just to you know, shorten it up a little bit and, and discuss, okay? So King Nebi, he's actually pretty impressed with especially these four guys. You see, because the word says that these four Jewish guys were actually ten times better at advising the king than the magicians and the sorcerers and the enchanters, the people that the king would normally go to for advice. These four Jewish guys were 10 times better at giving advice. So, I mean, they'd have my favor too, right? Because I'd be like, hey, you can't go wrong with these guys over here. Well, a bunch of things happen, and King Nebi has this dream, and he goes to his sorcerers and magicians, and he's like, I want you to tell me the dream, and I want you to interpret it. And the magicians and sorcerers are like, what? No, 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 no. You tell us the dream and we'll interpret it. Sure, we can do that. And the king's like, no, no, we're not playing that game. We're not going that way this time. You tell me the dream and you tell me the interpretation. Well, the magicians are like, how are we going to do this? How are we going to be able to tell him the dream? We have no idea what the dream is. We just can't do it. And so Nebuchadnezzar gets mad, King Nebi. He gets mad and he says, that's it. Kill all the advisors to the king. Just get rid of them all. If they can't figure this out, this is it. Just kill them all. And so the guards arrive at Daniel's door to kill him because he's one of the advisors to the king, right? And it's life or death for Daniel. Well, he moves pretty quickly. And he goes to the commander and he says, what is happening? First of all, what is even going on? He doesn't even know there's a dream, there's interpretation. He finds out everything that's going on and he does this incredible thing. He says, give me a little bit of time because I need to go and talk to God. And then he and his friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, do this incredible thing. They go to God in listening prayer. And Daniel 2, verse 18, he, and this is Daniel, 
urge them, and this is his three friends, to ask the God of heaven to show them his mercy by telling them the secret so that they would not be executed with the other wise men of Babylon. And that night, the secret was revealed to Daniel in a vision. You see, God speaks to us, doesn't he? God speaks to us. And we've been learning in our Abide Bible study and through this series that God wants to speak to us. I love what Pastor Allen said last Sunday morning. He said, God desires to speak to you more than you do to speak to him. He wants to speak to you. And in this case, Daniel turned to him in listening prayer and God spoke to him through that dream. Right? And so basically what happened in our story is that God gives the dream and the interpretation to Daniel, and Daniel goes back to King Nebi. And you know what Daniel could have done? He could have been like, yeah, like I am the bomb.com, and I got the interpretation, I got the dream, I got the whole thing. But that's not what Daniel does. He goes back to King Nebi, he gives all glory to God. He points right to God. This is how I got these answers. It's all because of God. It's not because of me. It's all because of God. And then in, uh, in verse 2, 47, the king said to Daniel, this is so amazing. Nebi's heart is going to be turned to God. And it says, truly, your God is the God of gods and the Lord over kings, a revealer of mysteries, for you have been able to reveal this secret. You see, God speaks to all of us. So if you're thinking, no, 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 he doesn't speak to me because I have made a lot of mistakes. I have done a lot of really rotten things. Like you don't even know all the rotten things that I've done. Well, if you want to get into some comparison game, compare yourself to King Nebi. He goes to Jerusalem, the holy city. He annihilates it. He takes all of those special things that were in the temple, goes and puts them beside the idol worshipers, takes all the Jewish Israelite people, puts them in Babylon in captivity, and God still spoke to speak, still chose to speak to him. God will speak to you. There's nothing you've done that's so bad that God won't speak to you. If he's going to speak to Nebi, he can speak to you. It's do you have a heart open and ready, willing to ask God to speak to you? Our story continues on in Daniel chapter 3, and it brings us to this story of a golden statue. And you might have heard this one before. I love this story. It's so good. You see, Nebi is so fickle, right? He was just praising our God, God in heaven, our Father. And now now he's going to go and build this golden statue, this idol for everybody to worship. And it's 90 feet tall and it's nine feet wide. And the people were supposed to bow down to it. It didn't even have a name. It was just golden statue. Just bow down to golden statue and just worship the golden statue. And so what was going to happen is if you didn't worship the golden statue, you were going to be thrown into a fiery furnace. So everybody's like, okay, yeah, we're all going to get on board. We're going we're gonna to worship the statue. And so there's a whole bunch of fanfare and it's like, you know, big party and hoopla and woo woo right and dun 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 worship the statue and everybody does except it tells us in our story these three guys who would not worship that statue and just like in every grade one class there's a tattletale 
there's a tattletale in our story. And it was the astrologers who went and told on our three guys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and, and told the king, King Nebi, these guys did not bow down and worship your golden statue. And so in Daniel 3.13, Nebuchadnezzar blew into a rage and ordered Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to be brought before him. You see, King Nebi, he has some anger management issues. Like, he really needs an intervention, this guy. He is just like hot and cold and hot and cold, right? Well, Nebi's got these three guys before him, and he's, he's like, is this true? You won't bow down to my gold tower? And they're like, yep. He's like, you're going to die in the furnace. And they're like, yep. God is bigger than fire. And he's like, I'm going to give you one more chance. I could just see like my mom's eyes like, you don't make me go there, right? Like she's just like looking at them like, I'm going to give you one more chance. And if you don't bow down, I'm going to barbecue you like a burger. And the guys are just like, you know what? Go for it. Because two things will happen. One, we're going to go in there and God's going to save us. Or two, we're going to go in there and we're going to die and we're going to go see God. So either way, we win. <laughs> right? Like they didn't care. They knew the outcome and they trusted it. And so Nevi is hot. He's hotter than the furnace. He's so mad that he gets that furnace stoked up seven times hotter than usual. And he gets those three guys tied up and thrown into that furnace, fully clothed. And as they fell into the flames, dun, 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 they were like a shish kebab. No, that's not how the story ends, guys. No, there's no shish kebabing. There's three guys walking around inside that furnace, and it actually tells us that there was four. You see, there was one, and it says that there was a divine being inside that furnace. I think that was Jesus. I think that was Jesus inside that furnace with those three guys keeping them safe. And what happened is in the next scripture, it says, the fire had not touched them. Not a hair on their heads was singed. Their clothing was not scorched. They didn't even smell of smoke. Isn't that, isn't that amazing? Right? That's amazing. Like, somebody say amen because that's amazing. Like, amen. Like, only God does that, right? I love the way that he speaks to us and provides for us. And you know, the rest of the book of Daniel, man, go and read it because it's so action-packed. There's so much in this book, right? Nebi has another dream, and then he's praising God again, and then there's writing on the wall, and there's lions that want to eat Daniel, and the archangel Gabriel shows up. Like, there's a lot that happens in this book. Like, I think they should make it into a Netflix miniseries because I would totally be watching this show, right? You see, and the reason that Daniel wrote it all down and put it in this book, that God put it in the Bible, was to inspire you. It was to inspire you that no matter what fire you are walking through, no matter what trial that you are, are enduring right now, God is with you. God is the one in that furnace walking around. He is walking through that fire with you. And he says, don't give up hope. Don't fall into despair. Don't be reckless. 
follow me and trust me. Listen to me. Talk to me because I want to talk to you and I want to give you dreams and interpretations and words and encouragement. He's like, I want this with you. And you know what? I need it. I need this. I need to trust and believe that this is true because the world is looking pretty dark and hopeless, but this is light. And so I need to believe every word that comes out of here. You see, this is God's journal, and it inspires me to keep fighting the fight, to keep pressing into faith and the one who is faithful. I have this incredible picture that I found online, and I asked uh, the author, Chris Harrison, if I could show it uh, for you today. And I'm going to read out his description of it. Basically what this is, is this is a picture to show us the cross-references in the Bible. Okay? So every one of those arcs is a cross-reference from Scripture to Scripture, from book to book. So the bar graph that runs along the bottom represents the chapters in the Bible. Okay? And so you can see how some are longer, some are shorter. That represents the chapters in the Bible, all the white stuff there. Okay? And then each of the arcs, and guess what, folks? There's 63,779 arcs on that picture. And every single one of those lines represents a cross-reference from one scripture to another scripture. See that? Isn't that incredible? There is no possible way the most brilliant minds could have come up with a cross-reference like that that would match so uniquely, so perfectly, so in harmony, only God, right? That's the God that I trust in. That's the God that you trust in, who, who gave us this book with, with no fault, but yet inspired by him and written by people so that we can trust in the words that are in there. And the reason that I need to trust it is that when I go through that furnace, when I'm in those moments of fire, I need God's word. Word, I need God with me. You see, for most of us, when we are in the fire, when we're in the trial, like our three friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, we come out of that fire, and, and we, don't, we don't just come out with nothing. Most of us would say there's a little bit of a lingering smell, right? There's a hurt. If we were to equate a smell to a hurt, we would say, yeah, I've walked through some fire, but there was a hurt, right? There was something that happened. Somebody who stabbed me in the back, or my marriage is in trouble. It's not really, you don't need to pray for me. I'm using it as an example. Maybe um, we've been disappointed in something that, that's happened, and there's a hurt that's lingering, and it's like a smell that lingers and connects to us. How many of you have ever smelt a campfire, right? You know when you get the campfire smoke smell on your clothes? It just lingers. It just stays there. It just sticks to you. And that's kind of what happens with our hurts. They linger and they stick to us and they turn into bitterness. And they turn into complaining and fear and anxiety. And we feel like we're hopeless and like we're in captivity. And when we don't deal with those hurts there's this lingering smell that, that just doesn't want to leave us. You see, 
so often we're so good at taking our hurts and just pushing them down deep inside. Like, that's not a big deal. I don't really need to forgive them for that. It's really not that big of a deal. Or maybe it is a big deal, but I just don't have the time. I just don't really want to go there. And so all of those hurts, those lingering hurts, they go and they get, they get pushed down, pushed into our hearts. And I talked about this in the summer, that what we put into our heart is what we're going to take out of our heart to give somebody else. So when I am pushing down bitterness and hurt and anger and frustration, then when I need to do something and love somebody, that's what I'm going to be pulling out. And I think it's because so often we hinge our relationship with God on our emotions. We focus on more of an emotional connection to him. And when we don't feel emotionally connected, we feel like God's not there, right? Like, God, you've abandoned me because I don't feel an emotional connection. And I mean, come on, we're charismatics. We're Pentecostals, right? So we love to be exuberant and emotional and passionate. And when we don't feel God, we're like, oh, God, like you must have left me, right? But you see, God is dependable. I am not, God is that white line that's on our picture, right? That's God. He is steady and true, and he is faithful. But me, I'm like those colorful lines that bounce all over the place, right? My emotional health can be up and down from day to day, hour to hour, like minute to minute, I think some of us would share, right? And so what we do is we want to connect to God on this only emotional level, and yet we bounce all over the place, right? God is consistent. He is trustworthy. He is true and steady and never changing, and he's 100% emotional. Yet he's also constant. You can trust in him. So even though my emotions change all the time, Even though when I'm having a bad day, God is not. God never has a bad day. So then why would I depend on my emotional health as the base of my relationship with God? Because I don't have a base. (laughs) Because I'm bouncing all over the place. I need to depend on God's emotional stability, right? Because there's nothing wrong with us going to God to fill our emotional needs Jesus wants to be your everything. He wants to be your savior, your forgiver, your healer, your redeemer, your bread of life, your living water. He wants to be all of those things. But when you're feeling disconnected, it's not time to rely on your emotions. It's time to step into obedience. God doesn't wake up one day and say, I just don't really feel like emotionally connecting with Kimmy today. I think I'm going to take a break. You know, like, have you seen her? Like, she's kind of all over the place, right? But that's what we do, right? And I just want to say, let's step into obedience with God. So that on those days where we just don't feel him, it's not him, it's us. Let's keep connecting, keep pursuing, keep getting closer to him. You see, Daniel and his friends, they were faced with death 
when they were asked to interpret that dream. And, and they could have they could have done a whole ton of different things. Daniel could have had this emotional reaction, freaked out, jumped up all over the place, like the sky is falling, the sky is falling. He could have ran, he could have hid, he could have locked the doors, he could have done a bunch of things. But he does something so incredible. He spoke to the king's guard with wisdom and tact. You know, I'm pretty sure Daniel walked through God some with walk through life with God in some very emotional experiences you know some revelations some prayer times some experiences that were very emotional and yet that wasn't the dependency of his relationship with God it was a steady and a constant trustworthy and true because he knew that God would give him wisdom and tact God was Daniel's tether and I think for us, sometimes we try to get rid of that stinky smell of our undealt with emotions, and we try to cover it up, right? We try to push it down. We try to cover it up. We try to grab whatever is near us to try and to fill that void, because I believe we are emotionally desperate. We are and it's like we metaphorically grab an air freshener, like vanilla or lavender, and we spray it, and we think it's going to be a fix. But if you've had campfire smoke on you, you know by adding vanilla or lavender, it's just going to smell disgusting, right? Because we're not called to cover it up. We're called to eliminate it. And so that's where I think we need the Holy Spirit like an odor eliminator. In order to eliminate smoke from our lives, we don't use the air freshener that covers it up for a short time. We allow God to absorb. We go to him and we let him absorb our hurt. We confess it. We talk to him about it. We get those feelings and emotions out and we, we leave them at the one who is trustworthy. And I want you to write these questions down. So if you have your journal here with you, I'd love for you to write this down. If you're at home, just grab a paper and a pen and I've got a little bit of homework for you. If you're here and you need a paper and pen, just put your hand up and our ushers will bring you a paper. But I really want you to write these questions down as homework today, okay? So what I think part of, of the importance of journaling is having these conversations with God, is writing these things down just spending this quiet time. And you know, I really am that bouncy, all over the place, distractible person. And I find when I'm writing in my journal, it gives me focus. It actually helps me to really focus in on what God and I need to talk about. And so I want you to ask him this question, God, do I have a hurt that's lingering that I need to forgive? God, do I have a hurt that's lingering, that I need to forgive. See, I, wanna, I don't want to just mask it with air freshener. I want to eliminate those hurts. That means I got to ask God, what is it that's still hanging on in there? And I got to write that down. God, is there a hurt that's lingering that I need to forgive? And then I do it. Jesus, help me to forgive this hurt. Jesus, help me to forgive this. Not my, not my power or strength, but yours, God. I need you to help me to forgive. 
And when you do forgive, then I want you to write forgiven beside that sentence. And you can even cross it out because that's what forgiveness is, right? It's like removing that stain or that blemish. Just cross that out. The second thing is I think that we need the Holy Spirit like an air purifier. You see, air purifiers move through the air and remove the contaminants. And to be purified means to be free from undesirable elements or contaminants. So when we walk through the fires of life, it can be pretty tempting to dwell on negative things, right? So maybe there's a lingering hurt, but what's the feeling and attachment that I have to that? Have I now, you know, embraced this idea that I'm a victim, that bad things always happen to me and so they're always going to happen to me well those are things that we want to purify out of our minds and so we're going to ask God this question what negative thoughts am I holding on to what negative thoughts am I hanging on to bitterness complaining maybe that I'm a victim and then I want you to repent and confess that to God. Confess those negative thoughts to him and ask him to forgive you. And then again, you can write that word forgiven beside that sentence. You can cross it out if you want. We want to be purified from the contaminants that come into our body and spirit, and we want to be perfected into holiness and reverence for our God, it says in 2 Corinthians 7.1. And the third one is that we need the Holy Spirit like a deep clean. You know, there's nothing like taking those campfire smoke clothes off and putting them in the washing machine for a deep clean to get out that smell, Right? And that's what the Spirit wants to do in our hearts, is have a deep clean. It says in Proverbs 28, 13, you will never succeed in life if you try and hide your sins. Do you know what? I'm not forcing you to do this. I'm not going to come and check your journal. I'm not going to drive to your house and make sure that you're doing this. Nope. But God's telling us we'll never have a successful life if we try and hide our sin confess them and give them up and then God will show mercy to you and that's what I want so I want to do this because I want God to show mercy to me I want to have a clean heart before him when I worship him and so our third question is what are some ways I can purify my mind what are some ways I could purify my mind I'm going to ask God I'm pretty sure he's going to have some great ideas for you. Just as we wrap up for today, and you've got those questions for homework, I wanted to show you some of the journals that have been a part of my spiritual walk with God. 25 years this October, I have known Jesus and been walking with him, and I feel like it's been like a couple days, honestly. And uh, I was digging out some of these journals, and I was so inspired, so blessed by the, the, the journey that I've been on with God. And uh, I found this one journal, and this is actually like a, 
um, an art journal. So I have like just different like art projects and things and um, just different uh, times that I've spent with friends, just being creative. And I've, I've journaled those things. And, and I have my abide journal in here, which, which I just love this abide Bible study that we're going through. And I journal in there all the time, talking to God, asking him questions, just putting my pen on the paper and just waiting for him to speak to me. And you know what? He is. He is. He's talking to me all the time. I have my prophetic journal. I have uh, been recording over the last handful of years different prophecies that I have spoken over people that God has given me and, and some that people have given to me in, in that journal. And um, I have this journal. This is my love journal. And so my husband and I started this like over 20 years ago. And what we do is we write each other little love notes and then we put it on each other's pillow on our bed. And yes, my, my girls thought it was really gross but it's really beautiful because it's just love letters that my husband and I write to each other and we journal them and uh, it's so good to be able to go back and to look at those and then I found um this collection of journals and some of these are from like 20 years ago prayer requests Things that I had written down, that I had gone to God in. And some of them, it was really hilarious. I thought, oh man, I'm still working on that thing, God. Like it's been 20 years and we're still doing that one, right? But these record all of the times that I walked with a friend through their fire. And all of the times that they walked through me in my fire. Losing my mom. Like God was with me in that fire one of my best friends died from cancer but i was never alone never my daughter was healed right before she was born when i was pregnant with her she could have died and i could have died but god healed us and i wrote it all down in these journals so that i would never forget how good my god is This one is so special. This is my Bible art journal. And I just spend time with God. And we just create and we draw. And I just look back and I, I see all of these, these tender moments that I had with him. You know, I would say I'm not much of a journaler. I'm not that great at writing stuff down. But then I look back and I see all of these tender moments. God has walked with me through these fires. And I know that he wants to walk with you in your fire. And I'm pretty sure if we sat together, you could show me your journals and the faithfulness of God in your life. Because he just doesn't give up on us, does he? Let's close in prayer. Lord God, I thank you for your word. Thank you for your journal, <laughs> this beautiful heavenly journal that we have, this love letter to inspire us, God. Thank you for that, for leaving it for us, for directing us, for giving us a blueprint and a roadmap, for wanting to speak to us, Lord God. There's just none like you, none like you, God. A 90-foot golden statue, <laughs> a Buddha, 
anything. There's just nothing like you, God. You are our living God. You are the one who sent your son to earth so that I could have a relationship with you. You give us your spirit. And God, we praise you and thank you. Thank you that you've left your journal for us and that we can continue in that. In your name we pray. Amen.